Welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high achieving, goal oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to episode 266, Radical Self-Love and Addiction. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, the day I'm recording this episode is Valentine's Day. (laughs) And I'm actually here with Coach Steph. For those of you in the Alive AF program or have worked with me in my other programs, Coach Steph um, is somebody who works for me inside of my coaching program. She's amazing. She started out as a client back in January of 2020. And just really worked the program. She was so helpful in our groups, um, supporting and, you know, giving suggestions. She got regular coaching. She reduced her drinking by like 90, 95%. And I encouraged her to go get her certification so that she could work for me. And she has. (laughs) She's been working with me for almost two years now. So she's here with me. Um, We're actually going to get tattoos. So that's the purpose of her trip. Normally she comes and she's helping me do work with like the Alive AF boxes or workshops or whatever, but this is a fun trip. She wanted to go to my tattoo person and get a couple things. So that's what we're doing tomorrow. We're going to go get tattoos, not matching tattoos. (laughs) I'm getting more forest floral um, on my arm and I got a big one on my back um, earlier this year. And I'm having more work done down my arm. And I'm very excited about it. So maybe I'll show you a picture on the socials later after it's all done. But anyway, she is here and today, and my husband is actually traveling. So we're doing Galentine's and we are going to go get massages and we are doing a little flower decorating. So I follow this account on Instagram. Thanks to one of my clients for telling me this. It's like Trader Joe's Florist, I believe is the account. And she tells you exactly what flowers to buy. And then you, and she demonstrates how to put a very fancy looking bouquet together. So we went to Trader Joe's yesterday. We bought all the flowers. And today we're going to put together some beautiful Valentine's Day bouquets. And I'm making homemade sushi for dinner tonight. And it's going to be a great day. So I wanted to talk to you all about self-love, radical self-love and addiction before we get into our activities. <laughs> and I actually just taught a radical self-love workshop inside my Alive AF monthly membership. And if you're not in Alive AF monthly membership, you can join right now and you get sign up for a year and get two months for free without the initiation fee. And that is going to be going away soon. So if you wanted to join, now is the time. Anyway, we just did this radical self-love workshop a few days ago. And I took them through exercises that help them kind of see where we are right now in the self-love meter and how to improve self-love. So I wanted to touch on a couple of that, of those tips real quick here in the podcast. And then I also want to talk about addiction and kind of diving in what addiction does to our minds and how we think about changing our relationship with an addictive substance such as alcohol. So radical self-love sometimes doesn't feel great. 
is, is the first point I want to make. Radical self-love more, more often than not includes setting some boundaries for yourself or for the people around you, or maybe your work or something like that, or at home. And when you, when you do radical self-love, it's like, I am choosing me and that's uncomfortable. (laughs) And it's going to come with maybe disappointing some other people or other people are going to have thoughts and feelings about it. And because they've been used to me doing fill in the blank. So if, for example, if you work and you are normally responsive to your email after 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. at night, um, and you all of a sudden decide that that's not good for you, or like you recognize that that's not good for you and it stresses you out and it makes you want to drink extra wine at the end of the day to just take the edge off and to relax and have some me time. And you're really looking at these behaviors, right? And like what stresses you out the most or what causes you the most anxiety and you recognize that maybe that's it, right? Like you need to have a cutoff time with work and you decide that you're going to have a boundary and you're going to say, you know what? I'm not going to respond to emails after 6 PM. I will get to them when I get back to the office in the morning, setting that boundary really it's for yourself and what you won't do. It's not that you're going to ask people to stop emailing you because you're not going to respond. They can keep sending the emails. It's just that they will now not expect a response from you until the next day. Right? So if you decide to do that, that is going to bring up a lot of discomfort for you. And it might have some discomfort for some other people if they're used to you being um, very responsive to things, right? So, but for you, they can deal with their feelings. (laughs) Okay, we're not talking about them, but for you, you want to recognize that that's probably going to trigger your brain into thinking, it's not such a big deal. I should just be able to respond to this email real quick. It's really not that big a deal. Or, you know, you might start questioning that decision. Like, that was a bad move. You know, I'm not going to get promoted. People aren't going to come to me with things. I should be able to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I just want you to know that that's normal. But radical self-love is being willing to sit with the discomfort of that and working on those thoughts and processing the feelings that come along with it. Okay. That is honoring yourself no matter what, and recognizing that it's going to be a little uncomfortable to work through that until that becomes your normal. Right. So I just want to point out that again, radical self-love doesn't feel all warm and cozy at times, right? It's radical. It's like, I am saying no to this for me. And sometimes that needs a hard boundary needs to be set. Uh, Another example is radical self-love and recognizing that, you know, the way you're drinking right now isn't good for you. And you recognize that, right? And so what might be really good for you is be like, I am not going to make same day decisions around alcohol. And when you say that to yourself and commit to doing that, and you actually have a plan around it. What's going to happen is that that time at the day where you normally drink, your mind is going to be like, it really doesn't matter. Everybody drinks. You should just be able to have one. You know, I work all day. This is not a big deal. I'll just have a glass of wine and be prepared for that and decide I am going to choose myself right now. I am not going to give in to that. And you allow your feelings and you manage your mind, right? That's radical self-love. It doesn't feel good in the moment, but you know what feels good later, Same thing with the work stuff. Eventually, if you hold on to that and you choose to work through the discomfort in your mind and in your feelings in both of those scenarios, 
you will feel good and you will feel like you honored yourself and you're taking good care of yourself and you're not overworking and you're not over drinking, right? So the benefit and the feel good feelings come later, but it takes a discipline and a dedication to radically loving yourself in those moments when it feels really hard and not changing your mind, right? And honoring what's important to you because it was important to you when you made that decision, right? These are, if you look at some painful things in your life that you know you need to change, right? So I'm talking about alcohol and work right now. These are just two examples. Like you could be, it could be a relationship. It could be something with your kids, you know, like you're not going to take home the neighbor's kids every day after sports practice, whatever it is, like something that's really been bothering you for a long time and not good for you. And when I say it's not good for you, It's because when you do this thing, it triggers your brain to overthink, get stressed out, get anxious, get overwhelmed, and then you do self-destructive behavior to compensate from that, right? So in the work case scenario, you might be overworking, being super responsive to emails, blah, 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 and then you have no time for yourself. You recognize you're not taking care of yourself, you're stressed out, and then you drink wine at the end of the day so that you can sleep. That's not good for you, right? You recognize that. And you've been dealing with that for a long time. Radical self-love in that situation is deciding to take different action and to work through the discomfort internally that you have while doing it. Okay. And in the workshop that I taught in a live AF, I take you through the steps and how to do that. And there's worksheets, there's a workbook, there's a class that will help dive into that a little bit more. If you're not in a live AF, you should join to take this class. Um, You have access to all of the workshops that I've done over the past year. Plus every month we have a new workshop and a live coaching call. Plus you get support in a Facebook group. So it's not like you have to do this alone. Um, So that's what I mean by radical self-love. Picking something that's causing you harm and you know it and then deciding to change about it and then have your own back and to work on your internal struggle when you decide to actually take action from it, okay? And to love yourself through that process and to respect yourself enough to make the changes that you want to see, okay, my friends? And then the other thing I wanted to touch on was addiction today. I actually posted a link um, in my personal Facebook page about Matthew Perry, and Matthew Perry um, wrote a book. He recently died. And he wrote a book, um, I'm going to pull it up right now. It's called like The Terrible Awful Thing, I believe, is the um, is the title of the book. Let me see. I believe it's The, the Big Terrible Awful Thing. I can't find it right now. But all you have to do is look up Matthew Perry's book, <laughs> right? Um, and you'll see it. But let's see if I can see it here. Oh, it's no, it's called Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. Okay, so Matthew Perry wrote a memoir about his addiction. And, you know, maybe you know that he had terrible addiction to all sorts of painkillers and cocaine and alcohol and everything. Like, he struggled this since he was a teenager. And ultimately, it took him in the end, you know. And he wrote a book about two years before he died. And it was a huge bestseller. He did multiple interviews on it. And he's sharing his very deep... Um, analysis of his addiction and his life around it. And addiction is such a complicated thing, right? So the first thing you need to know is that all humans are wired to get addicted to things. It's actually part of our survival instincts. 
is we want to not think through every single thing that we do in order to survive, right? So we start patterns and those get filed into the lower part of our brain. And then we don't actually have to think through every step of brushing our teeth or every step through making a meal or taking a shower or putting our seatbelts on, right? Those kind of things get filed as habits and then we don't think about it and we can think about other things. And we also have the motivational triad, which is seeking pleasure, avoiding pain and saving energy. So we are literally wired to get addicted to things. And so everybody has the possibility to get addicted to things just coming out of the womb. Okay. (laughs) It's just part of our programming. And it's not, um, it's, I don't think, and I'm not a doctor or anything, but I don't believe that addiction is, um, you know, alcohol addiction, drug addiction is hereditary because we all have the capability to get addicted, just like Matthew Perry, right? There's so many different things that contribute to who gets more addicted than others. All right. So it depends on your upbringing as a child. It, it, if you had alcohol a lot in your family and you had alcoholic parents or heavy drinking in the, in the home and in your culture and your environment, right. And it's not so much that they're teaching you how we're saying you should drink. It's the you know, the implicit type behavior that you're observing and absorbing and then making like conclusions on it. So as a kid for me, you know, both of my parents heavily drank and I learned unconsciously that, you know, if you didn't drink that you were boring and a stick in the mud and that you should drink to loosen up. And that as long as you get your work taken care of, you know, you should be able to drink at the end of the day. You're not bothering anybody. So those are just a couple of the sort of messages, the programming I received as a child. Okay. And so I took that into my adulthood and believed those things. Right. And so that contributed to my drinking. It wasn't that they drank and it like had a chemical structure thing to me as a child. And then I get that got passed on. It was more of an environmental factor. Right. And then add in different traumas that you have as a kid, um, traumas that your parents may have had. Um, You know, there's socioeconomic factors that play into addiction too, divorces, all sorts of stuff, right? That play into what contributes people to getting more addicted to certain things. All right. So everybody's story is a little bit different. And everybody has a little bit of a different like baseline into what they do. And if you learn from a young age to use substances, food, alcohol, drugs to deal with shit, then it becomes progressively worse over time. And a lot of my clients are here, you know, it kind of creeps in sometimes like it, it can change over time. They may not have been addicted to alcohol in their young 20s, early 30s, whatever, but kids leave the house, a big life change happens, COVID And they start drinking to deal with their feelings. And then the addiction grows and grows. And when you're addicted to alcohol, which most, most people that listen to this podcast are there, there's a spectrum, right? Of like people who don't drink at all, aren't addicted to alcohol. (laughs) Okay. Like I'm not addicted because I don't drink. I haven't drank in almost six years. Right. But when I was drinking, I was addicted. And I don't think that I have a problem anymore because I've done the work, the internal work to deal with it. Right. And I take care of myself. So I don't worry, I, I don't call myself being like actively addicted to anything. And I don't ca- call myself an alcoholic because I literally have no issue with alcohol anymore. And I'm not scared of it. And I don't have to like avoid it or anything like that. What I do need to do is take care of myself 
so that I don't get overly triggered and exhausted. And then, you know, like I might overeat or something or like stop exercising or something like that's the behavior that would happen now, but I never worry about drinking. So going back to the addiction part, when you're addicted, when you're actively over drinking, okay, you've got to recognize that you are addicted. And when you're addicted, your mind will tell you all the different ways and stories about why what you're doing isn't really a problem. Okay. <laughs> Any which way it'll say, well, it, you know, I was talking to one of my clients in, in um, a coaching call recently, and it was like all these different like studies. I had just um, sent an email out about how um, globally now the consensus in the medical industry is that no alcohol is safe. And they've studied it for thousands of people. No, there's no right amount of alcohol before the, the medical, um, industry, um, or the medical community said, you know, moderate drinking, whatever, a couple glasses of wine here and there isn't, isn't bad. It could be helpful, but now that's been debunked. And now the, the, across the board is no amount of alcohol is safe. Okay. It's been linked directly to cancer. All these studies, I linked it up. Um, maybe I'll put it in the show notes here. I will link it up in the show notes here, that article by the world health organization. So you can read that research and I highly recommend that you do. So when you are addicted and you're actively drinking alcohol, your mind will tell you a huge amount of story. First of all, if somebody tells you that they don't like your drinking and you get defensive, you're addicted. Okay. Like when you feel like you have to defend when you're drinking, when somebody tells you what you did in this situation with alcohol bothered me and you come back and you defend your actions, that is your addictive mind doing that. Okay. If you weren't addicted, you'd be like, I'm really sorry about that. Like I can, I can take it or leave it. Like it wouldn't be a fight to keep drinking. Does that make sense? So when you think about cutting back and a lot of you are actively working on cutting back, right? And in the moment you've made a promise to yourself to not drink, and then your mind comes in and has a bunch of chatter. That's the addiction. That's why we never want to make same day decisions around alcohol, right? Because it just doesn't serve you because we can't trust the addicted mind, right? You want to trust your higher part of your brain that at the beginning of the week or that morning said, I'm not drinking today. And you made a conscious plan and decision to not to, that's the mind that you want to trust when your mind is addicted to a substance. And then you're fighting with yourself in the moment about whether or not to have it. That's your addicted mind. That's not the real you. It sounds like you, right? It's your voice, your language, all of that. And it's probably things that you've said on to yourself over and over and over again, but that's your addicted mind because it wants what it wants and it will fight tooth and nail coming in any direction to get it. So I think it really helps for you to recognize that when you're in that fight with yourself and you're you're considering changing your plan or breaking your promise to yourself, you have to remember that's the addiction. That's not really me. I want to honor me. This is radical self-love, is recognizing the difference, okay? And I've got all sorts of tools on how to deal with that addictive mind in the Alive AF course. You know, when you privately coach with me, come to my retreats, all of that is put together for you. But I just wanted to help you differentiate the addiction and how you can tell if this is what you really want. What you really want is the decision and the goals that you made to cut back. The rest of it, 
that feels like I should drink or I should break my plan, that's the addiction. And the less you can engage with that addiction, right? And you learn to honor yourself and to feel those uncomfortable feelings and manage your mind, the more successful you will be towards making progress on your goals. Okay. So think about the addiction as like a thought bubble. That's, you know, visualizing it happening, observing yourself and all of these thoughts, try to separate yourself when this is happening and just observing your addictive mind, go at it. It's fascinating if you can do it, right? And just like really watch your mind like, wow, you are really willing to say anything to me right now. And I am choosing not to engage with my addicted mind is a really good way to think about that. All right, my friends, I love you all very, very much. I'm wishing you a happy love day. My wish for you this week, this day, this month is to choose radical self-love, even if it doesn't feel great in the moment, because it will pay off in the end. I promise you. All right, my friends, I love you. Talk to you soon. Bye. I want you to check out AngelaMasonic.com forward slash Alive AF. You know what it's like to have a desire to cut back on your drinking, right? You start to read books, listen to podcasts, try things, but you might not be able to yet put all the pieces and suggestions together in a way that actually makes sense and works for you. You might struggle with beating yourself up after an overdrink. You might get frustrated with yourself when you take two steps forward and then another two steps back and get overwhelmed with what's right and wrong about your relationship with alcohol. Your friends tell you that you should be able to have just one drink and it isn't a big deal. You might be white knuckling through urges and resisting instead of peacefully processing them. And you might struggle with your identity as someone who has enjoyed having a lot of wine or alcohol in your life. It's around you all the time. It's what you do and who you are. Well, after five years of successfully coaching hundreds of women through these struggles, I have created the Alive AF membership where women like you can learn the basics on what it takes to cut back and reach your goals with alcohol, whether it is to just drink less or totally quit. And when you join, you will get the exact framework I used to change my own relationship with alcohol and still use today that has led me to be alcohol free for over five years. You're going to get access to my resources, videos, and worksheets that have been proven to change and reduce how much you drink. Every day you can ask questions, share your obstacles, and get coaching and direct support on the challenges you will face with love and no judgment. Also, you will get immediate access to workshops like uncovering your alcohol identity and changing it, how to say no to things that don't support your new identity or life or goals, aka boundaries. a workshop called Creating Emotional Agency, and another one, How to Manage Your Mind to Succeed at Your Goals and More. Every month we have a brand new workshop. These workshops are filled with step-by-step prompts and instruction to help you create the exact relationship with alcohol that is best for you. My mission and vision for Alive AF is to be a hub of support and resources for women to come and learn how to do what is best for them and becoming more alive in the process. When you join, you're going to learn how to take care of yourself better, how to feel good and become more alive and go after the life that you really want. I want this membership to be affordable and an easy solution where you can get all the help you need in one simple place whenever you need it. So no need to go read another book, find a new podcast, attend a free webinar, or go down the path of piecemealing it all together. 
join a live AF and have it all there in one place for you anytime you need it. So go to angelamasenic.com forward slash alive AF and enrollment is open right now. See you inside.